Hello and welcome to The Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. And on this exciting episode, we are bringing one of our most epic events back to the show. Four rounds, three fighters, one winner. This is The Cinema Scuffle. We invited a few special guests onto the panel with their own movie question in a free-for-all debate. I'm your judge, jury, and executioner, Dylan Martin. With me to help moderate this is Jackson, acting as our timekeeper and fact checker. How are we doing today, guys? This Cinema Scuffles theme is Summer Blockbuster. Now, let's meet our panel. Our first fighter is an actor, comedian, director, writer from Austin, Texas, Aaron Salinas. Hey, y'all. Super excited to be here. Big fan of y'all for a long time. Remember when y'all couldn't read? Now look at y'all looking all snazzy with your, 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 your wallpapers and whatnot. <laughs> it's a good look, y'all. I'm happy to be we here. We still can't read. Um, <laughs> and look how far you've come. Look at that. Congratulations. <laughs> and our second fighter... He is Emmanuel Talks. Emmanuel. Hey there, everybody. <laughs> Ow! And our third fighter. He is a comic book writer and has too many degrees. Lino. What's up, guys? Cue the stand because it's been a while since I've been here. <laughs> Glad to Ow! have you back. All right, competitors. We are looking for a clean and fun fight. Keep everything above the belt and stay confident in your arguments throughout the entire round. Moderator. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fighters, are you ready? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Let's get it on. Round one. Movie musicals have always been a tentpole for summer blockbusters. We always talk about live action adaptations like Singing in the Rain and The Greatest Showman. But let's determine the greatest animated musical. So, fighters... What is the best animated musical? And we are starting off this round with the fighter who presented it. Fighter number one, your two-minute opening statement starts when you do. <clears throat> that one doesn't count. I was clearing my throat. Okay. <clears throat> so um, what's weird is the genre uh, animated musical really didn't exist until 2020 when Trolls World Tour came out. And I know y'all are like, whoa, what? I mean, I'm sure there was plenty. Uh, y'all are just wrong. I'm sorry. Um, let me just go down the cast, and then we can all collectively change our underwear and then come back. Um, Anna Kendrick, uh, Chance the Rapper, Anderson Pock, Kelly Clarkson, hello. Um, Justin Timberlake, what? Um, we also got uh, Sam Rockwell, because, you know, we're still a classy feature. Um, Mark Wahlberg's thrown in there because, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> we all love Boston. And the most hated man in San Antonio, Ozzy Osbourne, plays one of the greatest characters in animated, like, it, collectively he's in the movie less than two minutes, less than this round is going to be. And he nails it so many times over and over again. On top of that, you got Rachel Bloom, you have Anthony Ramos. It, it is a stacked cast, and the music is fun. It is so it, the 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 message is so endearing, and the music, y'all, slaps. I mean, you're just like jamming in your car. Next thing you know, you got like a, a full on like costume that you're wearing. You're like, where did this come from? And you're like, I don't care. I'm just still gonna rock with it. And you are just having the time of your life from the moment those credits open 
to the to the second that you just get the black screen at the end, you're like, wowza, I am I, I'm complete. I have fulfilled everything I possibly could in my life. And I am so excited to be on this earth. Thank you so much, Anna Kendrick. You do it again. I cannot wait until you are casted as Squirrel Girl. It is going to make the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe just mwah when that all happens. But yeah, I can still go down the cast because y'all, we got Keenan Thompson. Hello. Uh, I mean, oh uh, well, your time's up. So oh. unfortunately, yeah, I was just uh, really pulling you... at strings at that point. So that's <laughs> <laughs> way to kick off the show. I would never expect Cinema Scuffle would come back, and the first thing we, the first movie we talk about would be Trolls World Tour. But great opening. Emmanuel, your opening statement starts when you do. Well, I'm at, the first thing, I'm really surprised nobody picked Beauty and the Beast. But that's okay, because the, <laughs> next, right. the next best musical, if we're looking at musical, what, what does a musical encompass? It encompasses a good story. There's got to be some acting in there. There's got to obviously be some music. There's got to be some type of performance happening with all your characters. While there are fun things out there, and we're looking at like top quality and all that, the Prince of Egypt brings in a very recognizable cast. Some people that you've heard of. So let me go off that list. We have Val Kimmer. We have Ralph Fiennes. We have Michelle Pfeiffer. We have Sandra Bullock. We have Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. And let me just tell you something. This is a nugget in the filmography, rather the musical catalog of Hans Zimmer. So uh, The Prince of Egypt. One, amazing cinematography. If you're looking for a movie that isn't a live action movie, you're looking for a cartoon animated thing, this kind of blends both 2D and 3D ahead of when people were doing that. It does a great job at presenting a subject matter that uh, even if you're not religious, it's just a good story as a whole. Um, it tells many different messages, tells many different stories in this, and it's based on, of course, the Bible. But again, like I said, if you're just focused on what the story is, taking out the religion aspect of it all, it's a great movie. It's a great musical, and it's got a good cast to push it all the way. On top of that, it's got Hans Zimmer leading the way with one of the best musicals right underneath of Beauty and the Beast. Thank you for that. It won a fucking ah! Oscar, and nobody put it. <laughs> it was, it the, was first the first one animated to... movie nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> for... <laughs> you all lose. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, and our third fighter here, Lino. Uh, your time starts uh, with your opening statement when you do. All right. Well, I picked Aladdin. And straight up, this movie is a banger from beginning to end. It's all original music. And it's a type of music that's totally different from the others. Prince of Egypt is probably the closest to the style of music that it tries to go for, even though they're kind of off. And it features some of like, the most legendary people ever, notably Robin Williams. And it's been so popular enough to even get a live-action remake. A uh, debate of people think that movie's great or not, but we're talking about the animated one, which is amazing. Start to finish. There's music for everybody. It's a movie for everybody in the family. Show it anytime, anywhere, and it holds up. It came, it, um, it came out in, what, 96? 93? Uh, 92. Came out in 92, and it still holds up today. So, I mean, compared to newer movies, it's it's still holding its own. And that's what I have to say about Aladdin. All right. Great opening statements all around. Now, fellow fighters, you have 
for right now, this is a free-for-all, and I guess whoever wants to start talking, that's when the timer stops, but you do have 12 minutes, uh, so uh, don't feel rushed, but the floor is now yours. Fight. Let me just start off with saying that uh, between Prince of Egypt and Aladdin, both of those two films are very, very much inspired in their musical uh, prowess. Um, the composition of both movies very much separate themselves from what Trolls World Tour does. Uh, if we want to look at even um, the accolades of some of the films, <laughs> we all failed in not picking Beauty and the Beast. But amongst <laughs> these three movies, amongst three these three movies, The Prince of Egypt, I mean, a musical, you know, how do you get recognized as a musical? Brown you face. win it. You win. You you get. You get. You get, you get. Face. You get. You get nominated. You win. Like the Academy Awards for Best Original Song, uh, "When You Believe" was a Prince of Egypt win. It also got nominated for Best Score, Best Musical, Best Original Musical or Comedy. Let me just emphasize that. Like Awarding not just animated. Hollywood. Okay. So, um, let, that's just going to be what I start off with that nugget. Okay. Well, uh, since we just got off of Prince of Egypt. Uh, I've managed to find two articles, one from CBR.com as well as the New York Post. And here's the thing about Prince of Egypt. Not only did it flop in the box office, um, <laughs> it did. Here's, here's what happened. Uh, people at DreamWorks were saying that, okay, we don't like your work on this movie. We're going to throw you into another movie that's in production right now. Can we guess that movie? That's right. It's the 100 times better movie, Shrek. So if they didn't like the work you were doing, you got thrown to a what they thought was the side project called Shrek. So if your movie is declared maybe the best, I'm not sure if it is, if it couldn't compare to what they thought was the side project. Um, I do want to ask just one quick clarifying question, and then I'll uh, dig into both of y'all's. Um, uh, does either of y'all's film have Ron Funches in it? Comedic genius Ron Funches. Cool, I think we can end the round there. Um, uh, but no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, <clears throat> Prince of Egypt is uh, brownface. Val Kilmer plays uh, Moses again. I think he's done it in Broadway, too. Totally not cool. I can't remember a single song from Prince of Egypt. I think the movie takes place in Egypt. I might have seen it when like my substitute teacher was hungover and they just put something on. But uh, yeah, I I have a strong feeling whoever helped develop um, Prince of Egypt probably helped develop QAnon as well. I have a feeling like those two kind of go hand in hand. Uh, secondly, uh, Disney royally screwed over uh, Robin Williams over Aladdin. Uh, they it was a, a big big schmear on on their part. Uh, it was really really in terrible taste. Um, and they tried to make him look bad on it, trying to make him sound like, oh, he just wanted it for the money. Me, 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 me. No, and he was like, no, it's a principal thing. It, it's I don't care about the money. Like they they kind of lowballed him. He gave him like the sag amount for uh, what he was going to be paid for it. And I'm only really talking about Robin Williams because let's be real. That's the only thing we give a damn about that movie. <laughs> I mean, Friend Like Me is genuinely the only thing I can think of off the top of my head for that. And again, neither one of y'all's films has Jay Balvin in it. I mean, Columbia's own. Um, did y'all have uh, reggaeton trolls in y'all's movies? No, just a, just a lot of sand 
<laughs> I, I remember there was that one scene that one scene in your movie sing oh wait no 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 trolls right trolls was, uh, uh, trolls sorry, world I, tour I, no I, that's I right the, the, the first the first the first trolls the first the trolls t2 the t2 gentlemen of oh, the trolls no. industry don't, don't make that comparison <laughs> no. the t2 See, this is the box right here. The and aliens. What that company said is, okay, we need to fill this box for kids. What are we going to do? Oh, wait, their parents are coming in. Let's get a bunch of famous people. Throw it in this box. That's what they did with Aladdin. We, it literally we, kicked off that. It was original music. So All was Trolls just, World Tour. No. It had no. some mix in there of of some of remixes, but it had original music as well. If you have to Robin throw Williams in anything, is it's the not good. sole reason of trying to get parents in in their in seats for children's movies. Now, he literally now, kicked now hold it on, off. hold on. So, so just just to clarify on all this, yes, you are absolutely right about um, Aladdin. But if you think about Aladdin versus Trolls, Trolls, while it does encompass all kinds of different styles, it's so dero- like it it just. It, there's so much that is not as original as what's there in Aladdin nor in Bo- in Prince of Egypt. And and a lot of that goes in part to the people that are composing the music in both of our films. Now, both of our films are both products for their time. You have a uh, Robin Williams in the early 90s who's very much becoming a bigger name. You have Prince of Egypt that, of course, was being thrown under the radar. And if we were to look at the political aspect of what has been caused and how we view the Prince of Egypt... Yes, it has all those issues. Yes, that is a thing that could be a conversation for another time. But we are focused on what the best musical is because there are a lot of movies that we can look back from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that all have like racial issues that all have problems of whiteface and blackface and all that. And we could we could go on about that. But if we look at Aladdin, yes, there's a lot of Robin Williams in there. But Robin Williams made that movie memorable. If we look at the Prince of Egypt and you're looking at somebody who's a big film fanatic, the thing about being a film fanatic is you discover movies that you've heard about that you haven't watched. And then all of a sudden you hear about this one movie that's out of recommendation or you're stumbling across an Academy Awards list and then you watch it. Now, um, when you look at Trolls World Tour, we're going to we're going to be forgetting about it in another like month it came out what last bro, year? Bro, Trolls I thought, World I thought, Tour. I didn't even know there was a second troll. Prince of Egypt isn't even in the five dollar bin. I thought your pick was a troll pick. That's how bad I thought it was. Uh, no, Trolls yes. World World Tour is an absolute phenom when it comes to the animated musical industry, and you guys it's have like, no idea. You're just trying to run off the merits of everything in, instead of seeing but, what's but gold really do, right in front I, of but you. But I really do think that merits have a lot to say about it, because if you do reflect on movies like that, and you're somebody that's a fan of Hans Zimmer, you want to know where he came from in terms of what his whole career has been. If you're a fan of Robin Williams, you want to look at the whole of his career, you're going to always end up back to Aladdin. Everybody's going to look back at Trolls with all these celebrities that are in it and just think, oh yeah, you were in there? I don't really care. I care about uh, the Cup song. I don't care about your Trolls movie. No, Nobody's going to want to come back to Trolls World Tour in another 10, 20 years. And on top of that, if controversy is going to get you to recognize the movie, then obviously the movie's doing something. If there's an issue about a, an actor who's getting lowballed and that becomes part of the history of that movie, of course people are going to come back to that. An unproblematic movie like Trolls and a movie that isn't as inspired as, as Trolls is not going to be looked back on. It's just going to be that movie that ends up in the dollar bin. 
It is an inspired movie, by the way. It teaches children to find their own voice inside of them. Secondly, it's been way over 20 years. Have we revisited Prince of Egypt? Prince of Egypt was 1998, so yeah, it was over 20 years. Just just as Aladdin is over 20 years. But we've revisited Aladdin. I'll give Aladdin its merits. Yeah, like it, it has its own problems and everything like that. But Prince of Egypt, we no one's revisiting that. So I mean, yeah, it's got Hans Zimmer. I mean, fantastic. I'm not gonna, you know, take away from Hans Zimmer, yes, but nobody's right. revi- it is fantastic. The music, nobody of the film is revisiting is the or important no, part of what makes a musical. Is bro, fantastic. you couldn't find Prince of Egypt on an airline. You couldn't find it on Spirit Airlines. Nobody wants to watch and Prince in of Egypt. Well, when people are looking for Trolls World Tour, it's going to be the same conversation. Maybe there's not going to be the whole controversy of all of the Trolls World Tour, but somebody's going to be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that movie." It came out like what twenty plus years ago. You're always going to have those movies, but that's why we're here because we have these little movies that stick with us. For you, the most recent one is Trolls World Tour. For me, the movie that's a musical that's animated would have been Prince of Egypt or would have been Aladdin. Those two movies are parts of my childhood. And of course, the controversies of those films show up later when I'm an adult. And I look back at them and I'm like, damn, that's pretty crazy. But you know what? The music of those films stuck out to me. And and I remember like as a kid, like, I mean, even if if I were to bring up like when we were kids, Yes, they would show us that stuff in CCD. Was it a little like corny at the time? Probably. But you know what? Like for some people, it sticks to them. For some of them, it doesn't. I I really think that amongst all of this, if we're going to take out the merit from everything, not even my movie wins, not even your movie wins. It's Aladdin because it's the one that is most recognizable. It's got the it's got the music. It's got the actor. It's got the reputation that led it to get remade. In 20 plus years, Troll is, Trolls is not getting remade. It's either going to sink or fail or stay being a little toy in a quarter machine. Well, we got a, exactly we, we have a, a manual here fighting for Lino. Lino, if you want to make an argument for your movie. I'm happy to. Um, I think we're like solely stuck on the musical part, but we have to remember that the other two words in that is animated film. And I think that's all around just another reason why Aladdin's better than the other two. I'd have to very much disagree with that. A lot of that style of animation that's there in Aladdin is uh, very much dated to our standards. But if we're looking at movies that are coming out on Netflix that encompass a lot of 3D, 2D animation ahead of that time was The Prince of Egypt. And a lot of the technology that was used for The Prince of Egypt and having that combination of 3D, 2D animation has flowed into our modern era in the same way that games made by Nintendo, age very well. The Prince of Egypt ages very well. If you were to put both of these two movies up on your 4K TV, The Prince of Egypt looks amazing on 4K. If you were to put up a copy of um, um, Aladdin, even on Disney+, Plus, it's going to show its age. And I so, agree, and, but... I, and so I think, I think a lot of that comes down to the craft ahead of time and how much uh, dedication gets put, uh, put there. Now, you did mention a lot about Shrek, right? And how yes. that, that whole crew got moved off to Shrek? Yes, but Prince of Egypt, that's... See, in that term, uh, what I was trying to go to earlier, is that's a movie where if I have to think about who I can show it to, is it really the best? I want the best to be something that everybody can enjoy equally I, I at would all very, times. I would very much agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. But, I mean, we have movies like Crash that win Best Picture often. And how many people <clears> can you really show that to? We have uh movies like forrest gump how many how many people can you really show that to in 10 years it might be considered an offensive movie you really don't know 
But if we look at just filmography, filmography as a whole and what films bring and how they are recognized, at the end of the day, it is by their awards. And if it isn't recognized now, later people will look back at it, despite whatever the controversies are. If they, it's something that people need to learn from, they'll learn from it. For all we know, in another 10 years, Aladdin may get another remake, but some it may be in 3D. Maybe Prince of Egypt gets another remake, and they, they handle it a lot more appropriately for how things are in the world today. Well, Trolls I, will be on its 75th film uh, by that point. Uh, they won't They won't need to be Trolls redone. Will be, Trolls will be re- the Transformers of... <laughs> End of the round. Film. All right. End wow. of round one. All right. If uh, I could just add real quick, Sam Rockwell <laughs> appeared first day on film, on set... In a head-to-toe cowboy outfit. That is, that is I feel like awesome. that should be known. Duly noted. America's sweetheart. But not really noted. Good fight all around. Very entertaining. Jackson, uh, any facts that need to be checked or any comments about our fight uh, here? So, first and foremost, I just want to uh, go after Emmanuel for attacking my July 4th uh, movie pick that I shouted out last <laughs> episode. Uh, poor taste. Uh, there's points <laughs> taken off against you already Oof. in my book. Uh, if we're going to talk about numbers as far as box office goes, Aaron, uh, Trolls World Tour made 49.1 million. Uh, Print of Egypt made 218.6 million. Yeah, that's that's in 1990s dollars. And then if you inflate it, it's going to go but up. But 49.1 is in 2020 dollars as well. Yeah, I know. But in 90s, Bill Clinton was in charge of that. Money wasn't real at that point. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jackson? Any comments uh, on the fighters? Great fights. Uh, I love how both Aaron and Emmanuel uh, both fought for Lino. Uh, Lino didn't really have to do that much heavy lifting this round. I didn't say shit about Aladdin. It was just Emmanuel like, look, Prince of Egypt is great, but goddamn, have you seen Aladdin? Like, <laughs> that's not how you debate. Hey, hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit, like, all of us probably came into this one looking at that pick, like, dang, there's a lot I could do, but there's also not a lot you can do. Honestly, we all would have been <laughs> whoever picked Beauty. Yes, the this one I'll was this one was really hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> See, I came in expecting you all to pick it. I expected Beauty <laughs> and the too. Beast the, and Lion the whole, King. The Neither showed why, up. Yeah, the whole reason why I didn't pick those ones is because I didn't know if somebody had already picked them. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I picked this question just so I could argue about Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I know I, you the, did. That's the only reason. It's I, a it's a good movie. The the first the first Trolls is a little bit of a guilty pleasure. So now it's I a do good have to go movie. <laughs> I can confirm that what Aaron is saying is true because the question he had submitted was, is <laughs> Trolls War, World Tour a masterpiece and why <laughs> <laughs> and then Dylan was like no we need like an open ended question I was like I don't know pick something that fits Trolls World Tour <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so my feedback and comments here on the fight yeah so like the controversy behind the movie itself before and after uh, like with Robin Williams and the backlash that he had with Walt Disney the company and then also uh, talking about the behind the scenes of uh, Prince of Egypt that they had to get am- animators and take him to Shrek. Um, I'm going to throw that out the window as arguments because uh, it doesn't really pertain to the movies themselves. So uh, that's just a note from here on Tre- out. Treatment of actors should be taken into consideration. I, I do want to say that. Treatment of oh, no. the people involved in the film should be considered. Yes, definitely. I, I just think when the question is, oh, what is the best animated film? I think we should just talk about the film and nothing else surrounding it. I mean, the well, product my, my is point was the product. that you probably lost people that could have made that movie better, but they went to Shrek. 
I probably right. Said Lino's that argument was that the people who left Prince of Egypt uh, because DreamWorks wasn't satisfied with their work on that film went to make Shrek, which Lino stated is a better film. But uh, both I think are you said a hundred times better. Yeah, is your Bo- words. Both are DreamWorks, but a lot of those people, though they were all sent off, all those people were part of the pre-production process and the pre-viz uh, process of Prince of Egypt. So you had a lot of people involved in that storyboard process that were sent off. So it's almost, in a way, a good compliment because they added to what Prince of Egypt would become and added to what Shrek would be later. Yeah, and I would say there, there's been many times where a studio has maybe thought a certain project will be a crap uh, project, so they don't really put a lot of faith in it, and it does turn out great, or vice versa. So again, I think it just comes down to the movie itself. Uh, as One other thing. To- yeah, uh, that I'm not that I'm surprised none of y'all brought up was the uh, situation around Trolls World Tour uh, due to its release and uh, because it had such a low box office oh, yeah. that was because of the pandemic and there was a whole thing about VOD and whether or not it would be released in theaters which I'm surprised none of y'all mentioned is more interesting than the movie itself. I, I really honestly did forgot think about that it, it but first... I, I wanted to stay on on the fact on like the movie itself. Yeah, I, I forgot it. If I'm not mistaken, it was the first one to go VOD I, I, for the pandemic. So yeah, I, I, and there was mm-hmm. a huge brouhaha with Cinemark and AMC. It, it yeah. was a month long process. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. And and honestly, Emmanuel, I'm surprised you didn't bring up the fact that that Prince of Egypt is technically in the Gladiator cinematic universe because <laughs> it's it's a DreamWorks production. Uh, yeah, technically. <laughs> and and Hans Zimmer did the music for both. See. Emmanuel really had me with Hans Zimmer and uh, the music music behind it. I wish, Lino, you would have had a more a little bit more of a fight when it came to the music in Aladdin. Uh, I think when Aaron brought up like th- there's only one memorable song and it's the one sung by Robin Williams. I think he could have came back harder saying, "No, uh, here's the whole soundtrack and it's amazing." But I'll be. Can I just ask Lino? Do you know the whole soundtrack? I just know friend like me. You don't know the whole soundtrack? I, Arabian I Nights, uh, Magic Carpet Ride. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Like but the like, best love song Disney's ever made? You, you gotta, like, like remind me. You need a nudge for those. But, like, I mean, like, I that's all I can think I gotta remind you of. about Aladdin? But you know Prince Joel? Ali? Oh. Nah. Ooh. Yeah, on. I feel like Aaron was really the only one that was really bringing up the music part of his movie. And I think... Yeah, Emmanuel, you too, you could have really uh, hit back with it. You know, I mean, Trolls is a jukebox musical. Mm -hmm. But, Aaron, they got you quite a few times. (laughs) It's just because mine's the youngest. Trust me, in 10 years, when everybody's like, God damn, we really had the world at our fingertips. (laughs) (laughs) But just going based solely off the fight, you know, it's the argument that's going to win here in this round and all the rounds uh, not just your answer choice and i am <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with the manual uh, i think he not only fought hard for his he didn't choice, even fought, fight for but, his movie <laughs> but he fought also for lino's <laughs> i would have gone with aladdin well, at least well while i while i fought for lino what i did was hammer the hammer, hammer home the idea that it's the only the only thing that works for it is robin williams that's it it's got nothing else which i'm surprised there wasn't enough argument in there too so hey choose your fights wisely that's all i have to say and for that yeah. I, I i have to give it to emmanuel so Thank congrats you. emmanuel appreciate Round it that, that was a hard one jackson what was that july 4th pick by the way you mentioned something uh, forrest gump 
Forrest Gump. I I love that movie, man. I just I needed to think of something. <laughs> uh, Aaron, whenever you said that no one talks about Prince of Egypt, I see it a lot on Twitter. It's like a perennial thing. At least like once every few months, someone brings up Prince of Egypt. People are still talking about it. I mean, barely in argument. People. Are no just one's like, talking about Trolls World Tour, man. Yes, goddammit. Give it some time. Let it age like wine. <laughs> Jesus, you're talking about you're talking about movies that can vote and have kids at this point. We have to remain partial, Jackson. Mine doesn't even have a, a tooth yet. Jesus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so <laughs> round one goes to Emmanuel. Congrats. And let's move Thank on you. to round two. As media evolves, the lines between film and television are starting to become blurred and can often be seen as one of the same. Movies are starting to become more episodic, and television is at its peak with quality production and success. Real quick, we didn't do closing statements. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's right. <gasps> oh, but shoot. we kind of fit them in there in a in a weird way. It was kind of sorry. We kept like re- we just kept the conversation going. I'm so sorry. It, it was more like a Congress style. Everybody just kind of chimed in a little <laughs> closing bit. Closing statements from here on out. Okay. Okay. Fair. This is our first one back. Give us... <laughs> <laughs> Which major summer blockbuster do you think would best succeed being a streaming service television show if it were made today? And Emmanuel, I believe this was your question, so yes. the time will start when you start your opening statement. Round two. Begin. All right. So, when we look at the grand scope of what is taking the television show today it's streaming services and the nice thing about that is that we get to continue stories we see on the big screen but in this alternate variant reality let's pretend like the dark knight never came out yet but christopher nolan was still a very big name and christopher nolan is given a tv show to make obviously there's some big buzz he's gotten some awards on him he's gotten a lot of nominations and we're leading into the start of a uh, four-season TV show titled The Dark Knight. And this Dark Knight show would encompass the films that we watched growing up and the films uh, leading through The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, changing stories here and there, and let's say in this alternate reality, we even have a good old Heath Ledger. And if we're looking at the longevity of a show like this, what helps right now is the current atmosphere is looking for superhero films, and it would fit within the genre that is hot right now. And not only that, there would be some grounded realism on top of the accolades that Han, that uh, sorry, well, yeah, bring Hans Zimmer too, that Christopher Nolan has um, gotten up to this point. So there would be a lot of buzz around this TV show titled The Dark Knight on HBO Max. Aaron. Your time starts when you do. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, before my, my time starts, I just want to say I, I thought this was a really interesting question. I'm not super passionate like I was about Trolls World, t- World Tour, um, so I just want to point that out. Um, but you can start my time. And yeah, okay, so um, <clears throat> to be honest, when I think of my preferred uh, method of streaming, I'm not a huge show guy. The only shows that I'm willing to stick around for the long haul is probably going to be like Sopranos, um Wentworth from Australia things like that however I'm a big fan of miniseries um and I would still love that to be in this kind of catalog for this this genre um so I when I think of 
a, a summer blockbuster. I'm, I'm old school, I guess. And that's the fact. Yeah. The guy who patrolled world tour. Um, I'm old school in the fact that I think of jaws. That's when, when you tell me blockbuster, that's the first one I think of. Um, and when I saw this question, I was like, I think it could work. I think maybe an eight to 10 episode miniseries drawing out that tension. Cause that's, that's honestly what I think is the best part of miniseries like Chernobyl. I still think is one of the best thing HBO has done uh, to this day. I, I still think that it is a phenomenal piece. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there was six episodes and it, the, the tension in that, that series is just so good. And I, and I think a, a film that really tapped into tension in the first place is Jaws. Um, and the fact that we could have that fear of the unknown um, still kind of like played out, um, I think is going to really benefit Jaws with an eight to 10 part miniseries. Uh, and you could really tap into like the politics. And especially after the pandemic, there was a lot of similarities between, you know, op- keeping the beach open for the economics or, you know, we could really kind of tap into that. And I think, you know, if we're talking casting, I think uh, Pedro Pascal as Brody, mm, daddy, um, I, I really think you could have some some real humdingers there. But I, I think, yeah, and HBO Max, I think, is where I'm going with this one. But a 10-part miniseries of Jaws drawing out. The, Time's you know, really think Yeah, I was really just talking on my ass at that last minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You don't have to use your whole time. I, oh. I will say that. <laughs> You yes. can't tell a guy like me that like two minutes. I'm going to use it. <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> All right, Lino, whenever you're ready. All right, so I picked uh, Harry Potter. Um, the whole Harry Potter series. See, the thing with this is so many Harry Potter fans, uh, their biggest complaint is that there was so much content that didn't make it in the movies. And you can use that as its own thing. If you want to do like say uh how american horror story has different chapters and it's all under the same title you can do that there's the marauders there's the riddle family there's the hogwarts people there's uh dumbledore before he became the headmaster there's so many characters that weren't tapped into there's so many uh events that were hap- that were happening that you heard of but you wanted to see more of and that i feel is the beauty of it because it's not making up new material these are people and events that have already happened, have already mentioned, but now you get to see it, and that's what you want to see. And the good thing is, I don't want to hear Harry Potter's name, but I want to see everybody before that. I want to see the people that lead up to the movies that we saw and that we all loved. So from there, you have the friendship of the Marauders, which is uh, Lupin, it's Harry's dad, it's uh, Sirius, uh, the rat guy, I can't remember his name. But it's them for the serious Snape. Uh, serious Snape. Uh, we have all of these events happening, and I just feel like that would be the perfect way to do it. Is in a uh, TV series. All right. Thank you very much. All great opening statements. We'll be sure to do the closing statements <clears throat> after. But first, free for all. You guys have twelve minutes. Uh, choose your fights wisely and begin. Fight. So it's really not. A negative statement. The only thing I see about y'all's is y'all's universes are massive. And that goes for the Batman verse and the Harry Potter verse. You're going to piss people off either way. Are people going to watch it? Without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. 
And again, this is not, you know, bashing either one. This is just, you're going to piss people off. It's just, it's really hard to get a concrete story with such a massive universe unless you undertake it like a film. That's the only thing that I could see. Because don't get me wrong, I would love to see, like, Gotham did a pretty good job with the Batman verse, you know, series. But there's still a lot where I'm like, yeah, I'm not happy with it. Not not the biggest fan of it. Like, it does it get some stuff right? Sure. Is it fun? Yeah, without a doubt. But I don't know if you could still have those stakes like you did with the Dark Knight. Because, I mean, I, I don't know how, honestly, and it, it, it's kind of a cop-up, but like that that's a hard thing to top. The, yes, the, and, and, the, that's, the Dark and, that's, and that's exactly why this would work. I'm going to hit the Harry Potter first. So if we're looking at Harry Potter and we're looking at what the question is asking, okay? And the question is asking, which major summer blockbuster do you think would best succeed being a streaming service? We're, we're looking at, imagine these movies... Uh, hadn't come out yet. And now here we are. They're, they're a streaming service. The Harry Potter movies never came out. But if we want to get very specific like that, your, um, where is it? Fantastic Disappointments and Where to Find Them, those <laughs> would have come out already. So people already would not have liked those. On top of that, you would have already had the books being completed with Curse of, uh, was it Curse of the, was it Curse of the Child? Soulless or, Child or something? Yeah, that one. The That sad play. Anyways. Um, pe- people that are fans of Harry Potter would have been extremely, extremely frustrated. And they would want the Harry Potter verse to uh, have some type of redemption. I don't think they would want to go backwards anymore. So if you were to create a Harry Potter series that's based on the foundations of what leads into Harry Potter, I don't think people would be on board. I think you would really only get like the really, really sweaty fans um, interested in there. And, and I feel like that's kind of detrimental to Harry Potter if you're trying to revamp it. Um, on top of that, that's so much material and there's so much... I mean, if, if you really take a step back and you look at the catalogs of Netflix and you look at the catalogs of uh, Disney Plus and even of HBO Max, there's, there's a lot of fantasy shows and there's a lot of YA materials that have come out in the last 10 years that if any Harry Potter material were to come out, it's going to tank from the very beginning. And so you're, you're going to struggle with that in the atmosphere right now that's clamoring for a thing like uh, the Dark Knight, any type of superhero thing. Yeah, and then a lot of the charm <clears throat> of work, work with Jaws was at the, time, at the time when it came out. This Dark Knight show is pretty awesome. It's got Hans Zimmer making the music for the entire show. It's only going to be four seasons. It's got uh, Christopher Nolan directing the episodes. It's going to have uh, Christian Bale. Also think about the fact that if we were to like have this happen now, after everything that's happened with the DC universe, people are going to want to break from that. I am the DC fanboy of this group, and I can tell you for a fact, I've had enough Batman. No yeah. more. I'm, I'm done with it. It's tired. It's tired. I don't want to see it anymore. Wait, are his parents dead? Are his parents dead? We'll, we'll find out in the first episode, like okay. in every single Batman movie. Dude, you know and that's going to be a two episode span. You know that. Oh, you <laughs> know it. And the thing that I have to say is you're saying if the Dark Knight wasn't a movie uh, that we're like thinking about and it's a TV show instead, no. I want that movie instead. That movie gave too many good performances. There were too many good scenes, too many good quotes. And to say that doesn't exist in order to have a new series, no. Batman the Animated Series movies. works because they end. They end. But they end. It's not as... It's, they end. People would be like, oh, dang, this is like the animated series. They but it's end Batman, at and the it's end real. of the episodes, awesome. though. <laughs> And yes, if, that, you, if you it would, even gets you would, there, because the DCEU has drowned itself. Nobody yeah. wants anything to do with it anymore. 
So whenever something comes out, people barely watch Superman and Lois. Why? Because people think DCEU. And it wouldn't get the recognition. It wouldn't. It's already drowning in a sea of uh, superhero movies. We have uh, all of Marvel, uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. We had Scarlet Witch. We have The Boys. We have Umbrella Academy. We have Superman and Lois. Invincible. We have everything on CNW. We have Invincibles. It, it's just it's going to drown. Exactly. And so you're describing all these shows that have all these crazy visual effects and movies that have all these visual effects that a Harry Potter would need after all these horrible YA films. And so in this alternate universe where this comes out, we're at a point where the CG could take it. I mean, there's a reason that Lord of the Rings is deciding to do a series now. We're at a point in a in a incapable of doing CG heavy things without it looking comical or looking like a Michael Bay thing. That's why I think you brought up the argument there would be a lot need to be a lot of CG for Jaws. It's a one thing. Little oh, we got to add red to the water. That's it. Like and then just make the shark CG. That's it. Like it wouldn't necessarily need to be so CG heavy if we're talking about the politics. If we're talking about what's surrounding Amity Island, if we're talking about the people of Amity Island, letting that breathe, letting us get close to those people, like we did in Chernobyl, where we got close to those firefighters who were like, yeah, we're fine. We just got exposed to a little bit of you know radiation. We're fine. And then three episodes later, we see their skin melting off. That <laughs> hits you. If we get it to does. breathe with you as a character, but we're getting to, to, we're getting to be with that person and getting to see them grow and be like, you know, see their relationships throughout the island. And then all of a sudden they get attacked. That hits you a little bit more. So you're able to let that breathe and, and marinate and be with that character a little bit longer and not just, you know, have to just get it, you know, swept under you in a two hour and 10 minute movie. But, but, we, but with a but with a but with a Jaws, you're trying to have fresh milk. You're not trying to have butter. Why'd you say butter in a negative sense? I'm, I'm sorry. You shot yourself in the foot with that, Emmanuel. You cannot say, oh, it's butter. Oh, f- yeah, it's butter. A four-season Batman, and you're saying fresh milk? But you're saying fresh milk, but there's a ton of milk in the fridge already. Yeah. Because this series has been done. Over the cow's over. in the fridge, bro. And because you base it off a movie that's one of like the greatest superhero movies yes, but ever, and it doesn't context, exist it's anymore never come for out this. Before. So if you were to have Jaws be there, you're killing a lot of the tension because the tension works because of the pacing of that particular Jaws film. People were able to keep going back over and over and over because of how the runtime was of Jaws. Because that tension is just right, just enough to keep you in that theater for that long and go back and rewatch it over you and over You get to again. experience Jaws eight to ten times over. Yeah, but, but that's the same Jaws thing with eight, Batman, eight episodes though. in a row. Nobody's going to see that in every single episode. Exactly. The thing that made Chernobyl so you'd get di- warning. You'd get different emotions throughout those eight to ten episodes. But the thing that made the emotions kept everything within within a certain time frame, and everything had different pieces you could get. While you could focus on different characters and Jaws, ultimately it's going to focus on the shark. But the characters. The different characters. This is why Harry Potter would work because you get a whole bunch of different but characters. But how is that Harry Potter arts. if you have no Harry Potter? Because it's part of you're, the you're series. You're focusing it's on Dumbledore and, and 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 all the other characters. Like I, I, mean, I love those. Unless characters you show just, me, unless you show me Batman's parents dying for the fiftieth time, there's nothing new about the Dark Knight. Just by because you give it a point, new name. By this point, everybody would expect it. That's an easy cutoff that you could do and have some time later. 
And, but expecting and it is something Batman does. His parents die. Everybody that's mad at him turns but into that, a villain. That and that's argument what it would is. stay for Harry Potter and for Jaws. Everybody would expect somebody to die in every episode with not knowing but what's under the water. But wouldn't it. exist. And so every you wouldn't know Harry any Potter, of that. Everybody would expect. Amanda, to you're use wanting some kind the same. You're wanting the movie to be wrapped up in each episode of Jaws. It wouldn't. There would be some sort of bomb dropped in each episode, just like it was in Chernobyl. Finding out how much exactly radiation was being exposed into the Earth. That's a bomb. You know, finding out what's happening to these people. That's a bomb. In Jaws, it's the same thing. We're talking about the politics. We're, oh, that's an episode. We're talking about the shark. That's an episode. There's there's consistency. There's different things that can draw out this into a series that I'm not sure people want. It's not necessarily that Dark Knight couldn't work. It's just that I don't think people want it for a series like that. And, the, and on, the side of, on the side of Harry Potter... I think, to be honest, you know, it would be a fun idea. It's just too ah. big, man. It's too big. But that's where you would take that horror series that we had that I mentioned earlier, where it's a section at a time. And that section focuses on the group of people. And that Aaron, gives you want, more than enough content that you want. Succeeds. To, to I want to know how, how Batman ex succeeds. Ex Batman's going to succeed in any form of media. Round over. Round two is over. Wow. What a round. Uh, I, I did not... Ex uh, these, yeah, what a great round, because I did not expect some uh, arguments to come up about certain choices, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll get more into detail afterwards. But first... Real quick, I just want to say, our... I imagine uh, yeah. Hogwarts as like MASH, like it just never <laughs> ends. Like, <laughs> and like your grandparents are like, yep, new episode next week. Started when I was 20. Like, no baby shark all right. I I'm out. <laughs> now, we're going to go the same order this time around, uh, but this time with our closing statements. You only have one minute. Now, again, focus only on your argument. Uh, anything that you guys argued about throughout the entire fight, it's done. Focus on your answer choice. Okay? And we'll start again with Emmanuel, Aaron, and then Lino. Uh, one minute whenever you're ready, Emmanuel. So, uh, films... Films and television succeed on one of two things, how they're made, the acting. Um, I consider all those one category. And, of course, um, the quality. Um, I, I really do feel that a, or I don't feel, I know, that a Dark Knight would succeed. Because while there have been lots of times that we have seen Bruce Wayne's parents die, we all end up inevitably going back to watch that death. We want to see what's different about this death. What makes this Bruce Wayne tick? What makes him different? Um, you would be able to see a lot of events that it would, would have happened in Batman Begins. You would have been able to see lots of events that happened in Dark Knight. You could expand those two films into two seasons. Uh, you could expand into the in-between of Dark Knight and into The Dark Knight Rises and clean all that up, you'd have a lot more of a seasoned Christopher Nolan for better action. And the quality would just stand out that I think people would be coming back to watch this new tale of Batman um, because it's Time's inevitable. Up. It always Time's happens. Up. Thank right. you. Thank you. And Aaron. Uh, yeah, so in all honesty, like I said, I'm not a Jaws fanboy or anything like that, but I do think Jaws could work. I think it would be very interesting to allow those moments, those characters, those politics, those ideas to breathe with a 2021 lens. I'll even say, you know, a, a 2020 lens if we're talking, you know, just an idea of, of, of scope, just because the the. The amount that you could talk about, you could have, you know, the people, the camp that's like, oh, no, there's no shark. It's they're, they're just trying to fear monger you. And then you could have the people who want the, the beach still open. You could have those arguments there. You could have the heroes that weren't really got 
who really got to talk about uh, too much. There, there's so much that you could, you know, talk about there. You could, you also put into like an environmental impact as well. Like, well, should we let this, you know, shark be left alone? It's its territory. Um, there's a lot of different scopes that you could bring into Jaws that I think the 1975 Time's Jaws. Up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right. you. And Get over here. <laughs> Moderator, fighter. Let's let's be partial here. Sorry. <laughs> and Lino. All right. So the Harry Potter universe is filled with things you can go off of that people want to see. And this is like stuff that you ask anybody who's even slightly a fan will say, yes, this is exactly what I want. I've gone around and asked this question to a lot of people whether they're hardcore fans or not, and this is exactly what they wanted. They wanted more information than what they got. There's these huge books with so much information that we haven't touched on yet. And to make it into a series where you can have enough time to talk about all these characters and events, and they haven't been seen before, this is where it's at. This is where you would be able to get all this information, all the character development, all the big events that lead up to the big movies of Harry Potter. This is where you would be able to get it best. Thank you. All right. Thank hey, you better not much. get points because you had to cut him off. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm very surprised nobody pushed back on Aaron when he mentioned a CGI shark. <laughs> I know. Uh, I really, I was honestly, like, bro, I could really crucify myself here. <laughs> and just based on the fact that nobody got him for that, I I just have to throw that out the window. I was just, I myself was kind of mad that anyone would suggest a CGI shark for a Jaws reboot. A good job, Aaron, on bringing up the miniseries vibe that you wanted to go for, Chernobyl. That made your argument so much better. That was a very good argument. <laughs> Chernobyl is so f- good, dude. Uh, the, going what off they of could... uh, this, the CGI argument, all CGI looks good, so any qualms about CGI that any of y'all had, I have to throw that out the window as well. Anything looks good nowadays. Can we leave? Yeah. <laughs> Because I know you're talking about Trolls World Tour, because that was great. But I mean, um, Emmanuel, I, I did like that you brought up Shark Week. <laughs> as an argument. I also have something to say about that because I don't think Shark Week would be a thing without Jaws in the first place. Very true. Yeah. And also, yeah. I just want to point out, uh, I am not a fan of shark movies to begin with. It actually adds a lot of fear to that um, species and causes them to, you know, get finned and just like essentially drown to death, which is a terrible thing. Um, I think shark movies should stop, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. You know, it's, it, it, oh, sorry, Aaron. I was going to uh, say, it's very funny that you brought that up because I actually do like shark movies. I, I like, like shark movies. I think they're a lot of fun. I think Megalodon was stupid fun, but at the same time, like, it's like, eh, we're scared of sharks. Hippos kill more people 20 times over. Butcher hippos. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, I I wrote down, Emmanuel really loves milk and Hans Zimmer. Um, thank you for bringing up the whole Harry Potter series without Harry Potter. I, I was afraid nobody would mention that, but glad you did. And it's not swaying me. I'm just, in terms of arguments, I like that you did that. Um, Alino, though, of course, the DC fan here, the biggest DC fan out of all of us combined, uh, thank you for bringing bringing up that there's just too much Batman. I, I, I completely agree with that. So I say you're all on an even playing field here. I think everyone, this was a much better round. Uh, everyone got their shots in. 
Jackson, are there any facts that needed to be checked or any just overall comments on this I round? I just wanted uh, you to restate the question because the question itself came up quite a bit yeah. in the round, and I just want to want that to be repeated. Yeah, so the question was, which major summer blockbuster do you think would best succeed being a streaming service television show if it were made today? Now, uh, a, a huge crux of Emmanuel's argument was the fact that this would that this question is taking place in an alternate universe where these movies had never been made. Whether mm. and, and that affects the cultural zeitgeist a huge amount, but uh, it's an alternate uni- alternate universe. There's no consequences for us, but. I just wish that you, Emmanuel, had uh, put that into the question because uh, you had brought that up as a, uh, an argument of yours, whereas uh, I don't think the other two fighters knew that that was a, a stigma of the question itself. Yeah, going based solely off the question, I sorry, Lino, I'm going to have to knock you out because it, instead of saying Harry Potter, you should have said uh, the Wizarding World or Fantastic Beast, maybe base the streaming service off of that particular blockbuster as opposed to harry potter now we are going off of arguments and not answers yeah so harry potter without harry potter for the question and for the answer itself doesn't make sense but surprisingly i have to go with aaron oh shit yeah (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't like negate anything you said aaron and let me tell you why because his answer choice it threw me off a little bit It was not an answer I expected. Now, a Batman series and a Harry Potter series, of course, that is going to happen one day. And it always will be, especially with Batman. But Jaws, I was like, no, no, it's it's just a classic movie. Leave it alone. But bringing up Chernobyl and bringing up that it would be a miniseries and the topics that it would present, you got me. You you really got me. With it that it one. would win a Golden Globe if we're being real. Like I, without a doubt. Like if this movie <laughs> were to if this were to be a thing, it would be a Golden Globe. And again, I'm not a big Jaws fan. I, I really you know not a huge thing for it. But it it yeah. would it I think it would have a big impact if it were in like an eight to ten part miniseries. And I mean, imagine also if it's like how to phrase this question differently. And Steven Spielberg was still like an amazing director, right? <laughs> imagine a super seasoned steven spielberg making a jaws tv show miniseries yeah like god yeah, i'm all man. for it yeah, it would wipe the floor if we're oh. being real it would... <laughs> all right great round and congrats aaron on job, your job. point thank you so so all far right. uh just a tally we're halfway through yep. uh our our cinema scuffle halfway through mm-hmm. uh emmanuel has one point and uh aaron has one point as well all right well Round three. Speaking of Jaws, the term blockbuster actually originated from the release of Jaws. The film opened up in every theater in America with lines and lines of audiences waiting to watch this movie. It actually wrapped around the block of that theater, hence blockbuster. Now, before streaming services... The way to determine a movie's success is by how many tickets were sold at the box office. So, this question comes in from fighter number three, Lino. If every top summer blockbuster movie were to have a re-release at the exact same time for one weekend, which movie gains the most ticket sales in the box office and why? 
And Lino, since this is your question, I will have you start off with the opening statements whenever you are ready. All right. Uh, to start off, I did not expect these answers from either of you. Good job. <laughs> um, I went with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 because that was the one that ended it all. And I feel like that was the one that, like, so many people that are, like, Potterheads, millennials in general, those people are going to want to go and see that again. They want to experience that again. And now people are older. They have kids. They have relatives. They have friends. They want to share that experience with other people. And I feel like this has such a big community that they're not going to go see it once. They're going to go see it multiple times. So that way they can take other people with them. Because this series, to end with this movie, is huge. Not only is it, like, one of the biggest fantasy movies ever, it was, like, one... It was one of, if I, I think, the one to have a two-part series and for it to come out again. So, without a doubt, this is going to be the banger right here. Everybody was going to want to see this one, not once, multiple times. Because this is not a movie, this is an experience for a community and everybody around them. Thank you. And Aaron, whenever you're ready... <clears throat> Um, so yeah, this was an interesting question. I do want to start off by saying that. Um, so I'm kind of taking the same avenue as Lino, um, except for the fact that this movie is, is really weird because I, nobody really has a negative thing like, oh, it's hot trash. Like people are just like, yeah, it was a movie. Like the people who don't, aren't familiar with it are just like, yeah, yeah, it was a good movie. It came out in the eighties, Harrison Ford. Yeah. America's dad. Um, and then there are, is the camp that was like, good God, bury me in this movie and just let me not be able to breathe. Let me suffocate on this fucking film. And you know, those people have money. And if we talked about sweaty fans in the previous one, I'm bringing the sweatiest because the people who, you know, they might've, this is honestly one of those films that they might've gone to go see it with their parents. Cause that was the only way they might've been able to see it. Or uh, this was something that, you know, they watched with their dad and they distinctly remember because their dad really loved this movie. Or they might have been too young to see this film and they desperately wanted to watch it uh, whenever it did come out, but they couldn't. I think if we were to do a re-release here, there'd be so much nostalgia behind this that people would would flock to the theaters and they would get to experience this with their children and with their family and friends and get to relive it. Um, so I'm kind of taking the same like same play, play out of a... Uh, Lino's playbook, but at the same time, I think there's just so much more of an experience with this one that really can't be like it has to be relived, and I I think that just comes with Blade Runner. It had a, it did gangbusters for the uh, the sci-fi community that I think we if we could just tap into that a little bit more, especially with things like Cyberpunk 2077 coming out, that want is there for that that more sci-fi. We're living in the future, y'all. We got we got touch screens. That was on Star Trek. We are doing things that Time's you know. Up. Again, there I am, just talking out of my ass the last minute. <laughs> uh, just to make sure, That's I just want you. to. I don't think you explicitly said it. What's the movie that you're talking about, Aaron? Oh, did I not say Blade Runner? <laughs> <laughs> not once. Oh, y'all y'all knew what I was talking about though. <laughs> when I said Harrison Ford, America's Dead, you're like fugitive, and then I said sci-fi, you were like Wars? okay. <laughs> and Emmanuel, whenever you're ready. So when looking at the mass list of box office hits from the summers, I was looking at all the individual months. 
I had forgotten that Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows 2 came out in the summer. Forgot about Blade Runner. I thought both picks were very interesting and both have their own merits. But when we're talking about things being re-released at the same time, two movies on here have something going for it. Harry Potter has its 10-year anniversary. Shrek has a 20-year anniversary. One important thing about looking at movies coming out at the same time is who can I bring to this movie? And how many tickets can I sell? Well, the one with the best runtime, the shortest runtime, is Shrek. Not only that, Shrek uh, also started off a franchise. It's a good jumping off point if you hadn't seen the other movies. It's got a lot of comedy that has aged very well. On top of that, it's got people we're familiar with in terms of actors. It's uh, got some pretty decent CG. And on top of, on top of that, everybody can watch it. Uh, kids, young adults, adults, old people. There's all kinds of jokes in there for everybody. And I feel that if this movie were to be re-released with all the big blockbusters, it's the one that stands out because it's a starting off point and it's so different from all the other ones. All right. Thank you very much. All great opening statements. And I can't wait to see what you all say about each other's choices. And whenever you're ready, it's a free-for-all. Round three, fight! A dad's not going to say we have that at home, and they're going to say that with Shrek. And that's no tea, no shade. That's just the grumpy dad should be like, we have it at home. Why do you Why do you want to, why do we got to go to the theaters? I will say Blade Runner and uh, Harry Potter, De- Deathly Hollows Part uh, 79 or whatever, um, those are experiences. So I think that is what comes with the territory. Yes, they are longer films, but I will say again, not a not a, a Marvel fanboy or anything. But Endgame was an experience, and I, I'm glad I got to be a part of that experience. Even you know a month after the fact, I got to be a part of that experience, and I think that comes with that territory that I'm not a hundred percent sure Shrek brings. Is it going to be fun? Sure, I think Shrek deserves to be kind of like the Rocky Horror. A uh, picture show of of cinema. I think. Come on down. You know, we're gonna bring toilet paper. It's gonna be a lot of fun. There's there's gonna be gumdrop buttons. We're gonna have a lot of fun with it. Those can be its own experiences. But I don't know. It again. Yeah, it'll bring the kids. Sure. But I I, I think it'll have a, a a a big pop of a. Oh, that'd be cool. And then keep scrolling on Facebook. I also agree with that. And the reason I say that is because Shrek, their community are the memers. And we know that memers, influencers, personalities, those are going to be the people that we think are going to crowd and go for the ticket sales. But I don't think that's going to be the case. What's going to happen is you're going to have a bunch of kids and a bunch of man children that are going in front of the poster, taking a picture, and then moving on with their lives. Because I feel like that's what's going to happen. Memers don't actually go through with it. If it was, then Harambe would be president because those are the same f- people that are Shrek friends. But really look at all the movies that have come out on the box office, okay? You have several Harry Potter movies that have come out at different times. I can tell you that that last Harry Potter is not my favorite one. Not everybody's going to run out to watch that Harry Potter. They're, they might want to go watch a different Harry Potter. And when you have a lot of like those particular movies, specifically, what, eight films? If you have eight films, even if you get them all for the ones that were in November, out at the same time in that same weekend your base is going to go to different films and it's going to lose the total weekend box office numbers. Blade Runner keeps trying. As much as I love the Blade Runner franchise and I and and like what I see about the new cyberpunk game, not a lot of people are going to go watch that movie. And even worse, when you have a lot of bigger movies at the same time, 
The other thing is that Harry Potter shares a lot of the same fans as Star Wars, shares a lot of the same fans as Lord of the Rings, shares a lot of the same fans as Marvel. And so a lot of them are going to go off into different places and the box office will dwindle itself down. When you look at Shrek, a lot of parents are going to end up going with these these kids. And a lot of the parents are also the same people that watch Harry Potter also watch Shrek as kids. They're going to want to do the exact same thing that was talked about in terms of Blade Runner. They're going to want to do the exact same thing that was talked about in terms of Harry Potter. They're going to want to go take their kids to go watch Shrek. Not only that, they can watch Shrek and then go watch the second one and then go watch the third one. And if they want to watch all three at the same time and maybe make time for Harry Potter or for Blade Runner. But if you are thinking about the amount of people and the amount of times you can watch a movie with all the top blockbusters, more people will go to Shrek. And then on top of that, you look at Shrek. It made better sales in DVDs for its time. Um, Not only that, its box office was very steady for several weeks. Um, It was spawning several Shrek films. And on top of that, each Shrek film consecutively gained fans as evidence of the box office leading up to, I think, 900 plus million on the third film. And then on top of that, you think about when Shrek came out on certain um, streaming platforms, it was able to do decently well on there. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was able to come out on HBO Max. You're uh, making a good argument ones. that it's a great longevity film. It, it, yes. Shrek, we- if it is there for... From June to August, it'll do great. It'll do phenomenal. Yes. If we're talking about a one weekend experience, the sweaty nerds will get off of their DX racing chair and make their way to the box office. They, sorry, uh, you can't be double sponsored. I'm sorry. Um, they they will make it a point. If it is an event, I know you're saying people won't go. People will go to see Blade Runner. They will make it a, a, an effort of like, hey, I know I haven't left the house in. 36 months, and I know the pandemic's been 15, but I'm going to make it a point to go and watch this. Make this an experience. Make it a thing. I guarantee you Alamo Drafthouse will shove all the other Shreks out of the way and open all of their theaters for all of the Blade I really uh, don't Blade think Runners. so. Alamo Drafthouse would put this on a Teacher's Tuesday, like a week later. So, so it wouldn't survive a, block, a, a weekend. Well, exactly it would not. Right. Your, well, your, no, your, your Blade Runner would not survive the weekend because of all the sci-fi that's already coming out at the time. While that thing has some, some nice... Uh, Tenet does not count as sci-fi. <laughs> no, I mean, but you're looking collectively at all every top summer blockbuster. There's a lot of sci-fi in there. There's a lot of Harry Potter in there, and it's going to separate the box office. And I just really cannot like reiterate this enough. But Blade Runner, with what it was able to do back then, did not succeed as well as it should have. And then your its follow-up, 2049, did not succeed either. Most people that do see that on the list are going to think, Blade Runner again? Okay, I'll just play Cyberpunk. Moving on. If but somebody sees Harry argument, Potter, if somebody sees Harry Potter, they're going to think, "Well, I, I my kids haven't seen that one. Doesn't make sense. Let's go watch the first one instead, or let's go watch um, the Prisoner of Azkaban." And a lot of people will go to that. They'll be trying to make their way to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. But if it's only there for that weekend, and their kids and everybody else are wanting to see different movies, every, every like between the three, Blade Runner will have plenty of room because hardly anybody will go over there. Shrek will be filled out. Harry Potter will be filled out, but there's going to be more Shrek tickets. Mathematically, there's going to be more Shrek tickets being uh, bought to fill in those seats. 
versus Harry Potter. Remember, we're talking about a weekend. You keep reflecting like it's a whole summer, but it's a weekend. Exactly. Uh, And you have to remember, every movie's coming out at the exact same time. And you made the argument that people aren't going to see Harry Potter because Star Wars is also going to be there. That goes for your movie, too. That's going on your ticket sales as well. Exactly. That's my point, is that Shrek is so separated from the two that it gets to survive because of the kids. Because the kids will want to watch it because people my age will want to go watch it with their Think of the children. Think of the children that we're talking about to go watch Blade Runner and Harry Potter. I, I think it's a movie okay. that you're not going to have time to get to. I think it's yeah. going to be on your list like, oh, I hope I get to go see it, but I don't think it's going to make the list after everything else. Exactly and what you're saying ha- is what I'm saying for Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows Part 2. That whole But it has a community. Like, it has it, a community. Every, Shrek every is not of, a community. Every one Shrek of these movies, is memers. But every one of these movies have communities and every one of these movies share people what they don't share are the kids and all the new fans not everybody's going to watch harry potter and deathly hollows part two they're always going to gravitate to that family film and we see that a lot time and time again and if we're being real blade runner and and harry potter deathly hollows part two we're going to get comic-con and Shrek is going to get DashCon. It's going to be really, really <laughs> seem like it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we're all going to be there. Hell yeah, man. Ball but, pit, ball pit. Ball and pit. nobody's going to go. But everybody said that type of stuff for Blade Runner 40, uh, 2049. And where was everybody then? And, no, and, and where the, was the and people where, who and, cared went. The people who and, cared but the went. Thing, exactly. It was, and and it was, only the people it was who a summer. It's not going to gonna survive for a longevity summer. Is it going to survive for an event? Yes. And we are talking about... But, an yes. event. Yes, but you're sharing it again with a bunch of other movies that split different fan bases. And again, how many kids are going to want to go watch Blade Runner? A lot of them will fall asleep if they go. How many parents aren't going to take their parents to take their kids to watch Shrek because they want to go watch Blade Runner? A lot of them are going to end up either going to Shrek or some other movie. You, They're not going to go to Harry Potter. Shrek is going to be the same like shit in the living room. It's on the, a prayer that their parents the are going to take them there. But the benefit about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2 is that it had years building up to it. If not enough people are having any build up to it, they're not going to go watch it. And if they only have one weekend to watch all these films, you're going to have a set base who are trying to get everything between Star Wars and Harry Potter, and it's going to kill the box office for both of those. However, Shrek, Shrek can fit in a lot of movie tickets, can fit in a lot of seats, can have multiple theaters as well. But if all of them are getting one movie theater, that movie theater that has Shrek is going to get the most people because it can finish one showtime when it takes Deathly Hollows two separate showtimes. Shrek can fit but in a you gotta think that in that showtime, there's not gonna be a full theater. People are gonna go see the other movies first. This is the afterthought. After I get everything I want to see out of the way, okay, if I have time, I'm gonna go see Shrek. But how but many that's of us our age? How many of us our age actually remember seeing Shrek? Most of us are gonna remember seeing Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two and have it on 4K to watch it on TV instead and watch it even better. But we don't have Shrek like that. We can just go and watch Shrek in, on the big screen because we've never seen it like that. Shrek's this. not an yes. event, man. It's just it's a long, it's a longevity film. It it it's great that the kids. Hey, you saw Shrek no, but, uh, th- three it, times this a, month. It, Let's it go again. Family, it shuts you up for an hour and a half. But it's a family film, and because it's a family film and a starting point for a franchise, that's why it could succeed. However, with Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two, it won't get to succeed as it as it should. Because of the fact that there's a bunch of other Harry Potters there. Here's here's a good example. When Avengers Endgame came out, there were a bunch of other big movies that came out at that same time. Around that same time frame, maybe not on the same weekend, but when you had a bunch of them together, like John Wick 3, you had Godzilla, you had the De- uh, Detective Pikachu, you had all these movies happening at the same time. It was like a whole butchering of all their box office. Two-minute warning. everybody broke off to go watch Endgame. 
However, while this argument could work for Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2, Endgame had so much buildup to it that nobody really wanted to go watch the other ones. The nice thing about Shrek is it, uh, at the time when it came out, it was something completely brand new. And at this time, when you have a lot of movies that uh, are being re-released or having anniversaries, more people are going to flock to go see them. You have Harry Potter and you have Shrek. People are going to choose, if they had to choose between these two, they're more than likely going to choose Shrek because most of them already have the I Harry mean, Potter Lino's collection. right, though. Lino... I, I don't... I don't want my one-time re-release of all these movies to be wasted on Shrek. I want to have an experience. I don't want to take my kids for a time waster. That's not what I want to use this weekend for. Because Harry Potter, that community, they're willing to go see that on the big screen again. Because there's that nostalgia factor that Shrek doesn't necessarily have. Because memers are what's keeping that nostalgia there. It's not real the nostalgia. Memers, the memers I will also say, help in all of that. Because had you said Shrek 2, had you said Shrek 2, that would have been more of an argument because Shrek 2 is gen- it's well, just like Trolls World Tour well, nice and thing. T2, like Lee, it is the Lino better film. About, what Lena was talking about with Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2, he wants to take people over there to watch it, right? So if we're taking kids and like, I, let me let me stop saying kids. Let me just say people. Let me say families. If we're taking families to go watch Shrek. Hey, guess what? We have plenty of time. Let's go watch Shrek 2. You watch Shrek 2? Okay, let's go watch Shrek 3. Watch Shrek 3? Okay. We can stop right there. But we can go you, you watch Harry Potter and You said plenty of time as if it's a but chore to do something. I no, want to do no, it because that, I want to do But that's it. the reality. Movie theaters are only open for what? Maybe at the most eight hours? Most theaters, especially like here in Kingsville, they open up at a specific time. Theaters over in Longview where I'm at open up at like one most of the time. If they're lucky, they open at 10 and they only keep like five six movies but if we're having all the big re-releases happening at the same time over we'll thrive thank you kudos to everybody and uh we'll get into my feedback later on but first closing statements and we'll go in the same order as uh the answer choices as well so i think that was with lino yeah whenever you're ready Uh, harry potter and the deathly hollows part two this is an experience this is an ending of an era for a bunch of people and People that are going to want to see this want to see it with their friends, want to see their family. They want to keep it alive. They want to feel that same experience that they did when they first saw it. And to have the chance to see it on the big screen, there's no better option. Why wouldn't you choose this movie if you're so passionate about it and you want everybody else to have that same passion? And it's still alive. So that means more people are going to want to go see that just in case, say, hey, a TV series is coming out. Another movie is coming out. This is where you're able to catch up. This is where you can get that experience. So why not use it on this movie compared to others? Time. Thank you. And Aaron. Blade Runner allowed a lot of us to grow. And for those of us who were too young at the time to be able to grow, you get to relive that for just a little bit. And if I can, if I may. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. That's it. Thank you for that. And a little applause for that monologue. Yes, that was good, Aaron. 
Aaron's taking advantage Tears of this in the ring. He's using it as an audition tape, too. <laughs> All right. And Emmanuel. So when you think about the movie experience and you only get one weekend to watch a bunch of movies and you have a bunch of these collections at home and you want to be able to take your friends and your family and you want to have a shared experience that, you know, it's like when you're going out to dinner, you want to pick something that everybody can like. Not everybody's going to like your taste in Blade Runner. You may love that. You may be part of the Potter fan uh, fan base, but you're also a Star Wars fan and all this and that. But when it comes to Shrek, it's such an experience because everybody in your family and everybody in your friend group will like it. If you have people who are memeing the crap out of it, that's even perfect because it's just extra publicity just for that particular film. I really do feel like Shrek in all its years has just proven that it gets better with time and with its box office increasing with every consecutive film and its uh, viewership increasing with its streaming service, I really feel that it would just be the cherry on top amongst all the films that are too similar to each other. And it's the perfect film to start off on a new franchise there on one weekend that you get to watch. Perfect timing. Jackson, any facts that need to be checked or uh, just overall comments? So first of all, Lino, uh, Shrek is not a community. How dare you? <laughs> that is just blatantly false. Not with that attitude, it's not. <laughs> and Emmanuel, you lightly touched on what a disappointment Blade Runner 2049 was in the box office. And I'm very surprised that neither of you, uh, including Lino in this, didn't go after the fact that Blade Runner itself was a box office bomb. Yeah. Oh, I, I did mention that it didn't succeed as much as it should have at the time. Right. Mm. Um, it, but the fact that y'all chose such wildly different answers and not like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie, while y'all said uh, that is, like, the obvious choice, um, it made for a more interesting uh, conversation. And I applaud y'all for that. Yeah, I, I'm i so glad that, Emmanuel, you did bring up Blade Runner 2049 and the original Blade Runner. I, I think the first Blade Runner and maybe even the newest one, they both have a, a cult following. I, I would consider them both cult movies. Even though Blade Runner like revolutionized sci-fi, I did want Emmanuel. I wanted you to really hone in on the argument of memers and uh, the whole ball pit argument <laughs> because the same memers made Dogecoin an actual thing. It, it gave it value. So I wish you would have brought something of that kind, saying, "Hey, look at cryptocurrency. You know, the people on the internet are giving that these." cryptocurrency's actual value but uh that wasn't presented so one yeah. other huge thing um well going off of that real quick uh same thing with gamestop yeah. uh memes have surpassed the internet uh memes are no longer confined and it has they have real world consequences uh but the thing that i was going to say i thought you're gonna say real feelings that uh, <laughs> <laughs> this question actually was the business model for theaters during the pandemic they were releasing every hit movie uh, just to try and get people back in theaters. They were releasing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, Cinemark this year uh, put Shrek in theaters for its 20th anniversary, as you mentioned. And Blade Runner is released semi... It's a common thing for Alamo Draft House to just kind of put out whenever there's nothing... when it's a boring weekend. So theaters have already kind of done this before, but it's uh, very interesting, uh, the premise of... Every summer movie, which includes all Marvel, all Star Wars, everything under the sun, uh, literally. What I will say real quick 
Had this been an Oscar season movie, Ooh. whoever would have picked Lord of the Rings would have just, I would have just stepped out. Yeah, you would have won that. Like, those are the sweatiest of nerds. <laughs> yeah, definitely the sweatiest. Speaking of sweaty, uh, yeah, Harry Potter, you know, uh, good choice. You know, it has a big community as well. And I like that you honed in on the experience aspect of going to the movie theater. I think that's the biggest drive for movies, especially now, especially with the comfort of staying home with the streaming service, you really have to sell a movie for people to get out. I think even post-pandemic, theaters are going to have a hard time getting people out of their homes. Um, but that's for another argument for another day. I wish you would have drove millennials because I think, again, the last Harry Potter movie came out 10 years ago, which is crazy to think about because... M- a lot of us millennials around the time, we were rarely scratching the surface of being an adult. So now for sure, a lot of us millennials are now having kids. So there are definitely families flocking to the theater to share the experience they had when they were younger to their kids with Harry Potter. And um, But you still brought up that argument of the experience and families going to the movie theater. And for that, I have to give it to Lino. I, 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 Thanks. Yes, but all around great, great fights, great arguments. Uh, so really good. Emmanuel, I like that you brought in the whole math element, <laughs> calculating everything and the hypotheticals. I, I loved it. But yeah, Lino, you, you really brought it in with uh, the memers uh, <laughs> and an experience that people wanted to bring uh, to the theater and just the community that would have supported Harry Potter, especially that last one. And looks like we have a three-way tie here. This next round's for all so, the marbles. Oh, man. Oh, I love marbles. So <laughs> if we had to go to a tiebreaker, we would have done some trivia questions. But I guess, well, maybe the next scuffle we might have to. But this is all going to rely on the last round here. And what an exciting debate we're going to have here. This honestly is a good one. I, I yeah. want to say you guys, yeah. you guys pick good ones. So this question actually comes from the judge. Me, myself. With Black Widow finally approaching and continuing the legacy That's what of Strong this? Black Widow? It's about time. <laughs> Fighters silence. <laughs> With Black Widow finally approaching and continuing the legacy of strong female leads in action movies, we wanted to know who is the greatest summer blockbuster female protagonist. And we are gonna start with Aaron and we're just gonna go numerical order okay cool um so when I think of just like a badass um female protagonist I I I want to see someone who one supports women and two protects them if if that you know situation comes up in some form or fashion and three is just badass and doesn't care what it takes to do it and when I think of those three the person who holds that crown victoriously is Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. And that is no tea, no shade on the other guys, the other gals y- y'all are picking. Um, but Furiosa is scrappy for one. Like, I, I like my protagonist to be scrappy. I like the way she kills Immortan Joe, but spoilers, is like so, <laughs> like, but it's been six years. Watch it. It is so gnarly. Like, that is just. What a way to die. And she does it so great. And she's about to take the the helm of, of, of him. And, and it's just such a great 
time and and she's looking out for his wives his his trophies you know he she's looking out for them and she wants to protect them and give them that fighting spirit that they so desperately need and want and by by helping them and, and taking up arms against Joe she gives them that and and I think that just speaks to how great of uh of just a person she is and a protagonist and what she can do if we give her a little more screen time oh the possibilities are endless i'm gonna stop there because i mean i have no other argument she's just a phenomenal badass lady thank you all right emmanuel whenever you're ready so in conversation while wonder woman is a precursor to all the the uh, female protagonists in all mediums in conversation when it concerns films everybody always will make the comparison to ripley and specifically, I'm talking Ripley 1, 2, and 3 to just kill the argument. The Ripley and, and uh, Aliens Insurrection is not Ripley. That is a clone. So just looking strictly at the 1, 2, and 3 films. Um, 1, 2, and 3, you are taken on a journey with Ripley. You get to see her as a person. The woman aspect is very much propelled because of just the character itself. Her going through PTSD. Her taking up leadership roles. Her literally... Um, risking her life with an airlock, risking her life for a child, her dealing with her um, hate for robots, her prejudice against ro robots. Her story follows very human aspects of a human that has prejudice against uh, certain people, a human that is scared of something, a human who has lost something. As a character, Ripley is amazing. As a female protagonist, Ripley is amazing. Ripley can take care of herself, she can learn, and she's got lots of tricks up her sleeves. And she is the reason why characters like Furiosa come about, because there is a lot of inspiration to be brought up from Ripley. And don't even get me on the accolades of the actress who plays her. I mean, you have Sigourney Weaver getting nominated for Best Actress uh, on a film that had several awards. And then, of course, where Ripley goes in the third film, while the third film isn't critically acclaimed, um, you get to see Ripley be in an environment of strictly men and how she overpowers them, both in uh, her acting chops in there, but the character it's, itself, she is able to hold, hold her own against all the other male characters in there, being the only Time's female. Up. Thank you. Thank you. Real, real quick, right. a real quick <laughs> aside. Uh, did y'all ever hear the story about how Aliens was pitched? The first Alien Aliens. or the second? The second. Mm. No. Um, so no. James Cameron walked into the board meeting, wrote alien on the whiteboard, <laughs> put an S after it, made it a dollar sign and walked out. <laughs> you know, you know, that's so what's so funny about that. The same thing happened for T2. <laughs> <laughs> he just put, no, I'm serious. Too, right. They, well, no, not like exactly like, like that. But they said, hey, James, we want you to come and do the second one. And he said, no. And they said, we'll pay you $6 million. And he's like, when do we start? Dude knows money. Like, Dude knows money. He, isn't that crazy how a director, the only thing that drives him is money, but he makes like art. But I mean, at the same time, like he's also trying to find the Titanic. Like he's got his own, he's got yeah, plenty he's, of shit going on. So yeah. All right. Lino, your opening statement whenever you're ready. All right. So uh, Wonder Woman has been an icon for females just in general since the 40s when she was created and both of these characters 
wouldn't have the personalities that they have if it wasn't for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, uh, first of all, the question says, who's the greatest? Not She's not only badass, she's not only amazing, she's the greatest. When you think of the greatest female protagonist, not just in comic books, not just in superheroes, but in general, people think, oh, Wonder Woman. Because she's pro-women, and not only is she pro-women, she's pro-people. Her whole thing is uh, her homeland. They're supposed to stay away from the rest of the the rest of Earth and just watch just watch it happen. But Wonder Woman made it her duty to go out and change the whole world. She wants. You said that uh, somebody was prejudiced against uh, robots. Wonder Woman's prejudiced against hatred. And if it means she has to bash in a few schools in order to make that hatred go away, kind of contradicting, but yeah, hey, that's comic books. Uh, she's going to do that. Uh, in both movies, uh, she shows that power of self-worth, power of love, uh, goes against hatred and violence. In uh, 84, it's not that great of a movie, but it had two good moments, in my opinion. Uh, rest of the movie, I don't want to talk about but she has two good moments where she uses the loss of Steve Trevor to fly, and she uses it to talk to um, uh, Game of Thrones guy. I can't remember his name. Oh. At the end. Pedro, Pedro. Pascal. Uh, she doesn't have to use violence in order to stop somebody at the end. She uses uh, speech. She uses understanding to show that I don't have to be a badass all the time in order to gain respect, in order to defuse a situation. Time's up. Just... Thank you. Now, real all quick, right. um, yes. uh, I know we're about to get into the general fighting round, but uh, there were uh, digs at the other uh, fighters' uh, answers, and your opening and closing statements are meant only for your argument, so just keep that in mind. All right. And round three, round four free for all for all the marbles. Oh, shoot. Round four, all the marbles begin. All right, focusing on the question: Who is the greatest summer blockbuster female protagonist? The Wonder Woman films did not come out in the summer. That's my first little thing. The second thing is that when we're we're looking at characters uh, that people can relate to, uh, female protagonists in particular, one thing that makes Ripley so relatable is like her her literal job. They're, they're truck drivers in space. The fact that she goes from <laughs> that to being a civilian advisor to protect, like, people, like, whole colonies of people. And the fact that she has some form of prejudice, that is that is extremely human. Because everybody's got some form of prejudice that they either can break or not break. And you get to see her have that type of growth in the first, second, and third film. And you get to see the reasoning why she has that developed prejudice. You get to see what kind of person she is in the first film, what kind of person she is in the second film against people who don't like her and against people who do like her. And how her actions and how her her mind is what really gets people to gravitate towards her when leadership starts to die off. I, I think that that is just as powerful as somebody who has all kinds of abilities. I think that's just as powerful as somebody like Furiosa. I think what, what makes Furiosa um, not necessarily a weak protagonist is that we see her at the latter end of what could be an amazing arc. But what's nice about Ripley's character is you do see some of those reflections onto Furiosa. I mean, Furiosa's um, name is obviously based on Fury, but there is a little bit of an inspiration for the planet. I think it's Fury 151, something like that. 
uh, that Ripley was in charge of helping with. Um, but um, at the end of the day, if we're looking at the two characters that would be the best summer blockbuster female protagonists, it's it's a no figure that it's going to be between Ripley and Furiosa simply because they're summer blockbuster female protagonists. Uh, and with that, I will say, June 2nd, the day that Wonder Woman was released, is in the summer. So it does count. So I'll start off with that. And by saying that just because your person kicks ass, or your person's independent, or your person uh, has so much uh, just about themselves, doesn't make them the greatest. That does make them badass. I will give them that, for both of them. But that doesn't make them the greatest. You have to only not only care about yourself, but care about others in the same way. You have to be able to fight for them, you have to be able to care about them, and you have to be able to send a message other than, I can kick your ass. Because that's not enough to be the greatest. That's enough to be badass, again, but not to be the greatest. You have to be able to say, I have all this power, but I don't need it to stop you. I can talk to you. I can understand you. I can relate to you. And if that's enough to stop you, I think that's badass. You don't need a gun. You don't need a knife. You don't need superpowers. If you can relate to people, I think that's strongest. That what that's what makes it, somebody great. If if we're if we're going down that road, if I may, what I what I think is really interesting here is again, all of these characters are fan fucking tastic, but Wonder Woman stood up, uh, Ripley uh, walked, and then Furiosa <laughs> sprinted. Um, and and that and that's everybody to their own merit. I I, I think um, what what makes it all different though is Furiosa is there to survive. She's there to help these women, one, get out of the, the terrible situation that they're in. And not only that, but she frees the entire you know population that has been enslaved by Immortan Joe. And she, she takes up arms against him, not with superpowers, with just pure fucking rage to, to do what is right and help these people who have been enslaved and impoverished by this greedy individual, and she she takes up arms against him, and 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 kills him, and with and by the way, with no real weapon, she she just kind of tangles him up and, and rips off his mask, and she does that, you know, just with the the only thing fueling her is the possibility of freedom for these people, freedom for these women, and for society to thrive that she is willing to step up to, and again, could that have been uh, possible without these other characters? Eh, maybe. But I, I think that she is perfected what these these other two started. I think Wonder Woman, yeah, she she stood up and she was like, hey, women need to be in an argument for, you know, to be the heroes too. This is bullshit. And man, and then and then Ripley coming out of the gate, which granted, I, I love Alien. I think it is a fantastic movie, but but 45 minutes for a little bit of action to start. Come on, that's a lot. Um, but I, I think that, that Ripley, again, she stood up, fought hard against, you know, and we add a little bit of humanity and realism to her. And then with Furiosa, she just wants to survive and make these people thrive, which I think is something that the other two don't necessarily tackle I mean, so much. I mean, but I mean, think about it. If, if Ripley were in a circumstance as Furiosa, because I really feel like for these three characters, it's, it's circumstantial basis, depending on what they're put in. I feel like if Ripley were in a situation in Furiosa's shoes, Ripley would have done the exact same. But Ripley does do a lot for people in the sense that she's literally trying to protect humanity, not just a city of people. She's been through it. She's seen what can happen with just a ship. Now she's seeing an entire colony. 
Well, if I think the colony was mostly alive, I bet she would have been leading in trying to get more people out of there. I mean, essentially, that was her job to advise and tell people what to do and the circumstance of all this. She does do a lot of talking. And in the matter of the first one, that humanity is very much shown with that whole 45 minutes to the lead up. In that second one, you get a combination of the conversations that she has. You get to see a lot of that PTSD and how she's dealing with that PTSD. And that makes her really relatable because uh, you can, as anybody, can look at her and see how somebody can fight against the demons that they have inside. Um, I think that makes it amazing, compelling protagonist. While Furiosa is doing things that are extremely honorable, the fact that Ripley is literally taking this to a galactic stakes, um, but being such a grounded character that wasn't already badass like Furiosa, nor had powers like Wonder Woman, or... Uh, was up to speed with all, all kinds of things that she needed to, that the fact that she's so adaptable uh, makes her such a great female protagonist. She's got a lot more at her disposal than Furiosa does, if we're being real. And if just just plain out, she's got robots. What does Furiosa have? Uh, hate stuffed into tires. Furiosa has a like a robotic arm. She also has a lot of experience okay, out in the I'm desert. Okay, I'm sure that's a prosthetic. But, but, that but the fact that Ripley, but Ripley, but Ripley had to learn how to use all that equipment and she literally goes That's her into job. The That's what no, she was she, she was trained but, to do. But Ripley wasn't trained to go in and fight aliens. She was hired to be a civilian advisor. She had to put herself in that situation to take control because she wanted to get those people out. She was doing exactly what you were describing Furiosa as doing, being a survivor. It's exactly so, what Ripley was doing. So it sounds like you the two of your characters are fighting for one thing which is survival. And well, humanity. survival... Humanity. They're both fighting humanity. for a type of humanity. Yeah. Okay. But but based off the arguments, it sounds like they're for themselves first. And then humanity. That's no, the dip. I wouldn't wouldn't say necessarily for themselves. What what makes them separate themselves from Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman was brought up to be something special already. So she had all these ideals put in her. Furiosa and Ripley both had to go through hell and fire to get where they were at. I mean, if anything, yeah, Ripley is trying to survive by herself. If you want to make that argument, sure. She needs to survive so she can fly the, you know, fly the truck. Uh, by the, the way, the, the, the idea of of Ripley as Large Marge from Pee Wee is not left my brain. <laughs> and the, the fact that you called her a, a truck, a space truck driver, I can't get that out of my head. But but yeah, so she's surviving for herself, if you want to make that argument. But in the second ones and third ones, there's more at stake. But I mean, for Furiosa, she's her sole thing is to kill Morton Joe and free those women. So it's not for herself. Well, it's still like even then, it sounds like the purpose is to kill to get to an objective. And do we know great people just in history well, that I are mean, being great for killing? But people? but let's but let's be clear with Ripley. Ripley isn't killing anybody like any human. Ripley is going after aliens. She's trying to defend herself, defend a child that she found that she adopts. Ripley's own daughter dies, so she's got PTSD. She's got a lost daughter. She's got a lover that she has that all eventually, by the time you get to the third movie, are all gone. So she's gone through so much hardship that it's not necessarily, she's not trying to kill anybody. She's just trying to make the best with her life, which has literally been the first, second, and third one. And each one gives you a little bit of humanity and a little bit of loss and how she copes with that. I mean, she even has to go through a bit of an existential crisis in the third one because she literally has an alien queen inside her. And while they could do something about it, she chooses to kill herself for the protection of humanity. Emmanuel hasn't brought up the cat. I believe that is minus 10. 
And they're like the cat. The, I was gonna you haven't brought it up. You haven't brought it up. The closing argument, man. <laughs> Save the cat. Okay. okay. So uh, what I'm trying to say uh, is, in hold order on. To I, be- I just want to chime in real quick. I, I want to hear more arguments because I'm hearing a lot of back and forth with Furios and Ripley. But uh, I mean, I want to hear a little bit more arguments pushing back against Wonder Woman now. I think I've heard plenty for Furiosa and Ripley. And that's where I'll start off. Because there is no arguments against Wonder Woman. She's straight up the greatest all around. Well, she doesn't need to fight like the other two people are in order to get an objective. she was brought up to be the perfect character, the perfect human being, the perfect Amazonian. But she but how but how is that really world. that relatable? You know, her like, arc it, doesn't give her give her much. If we're exactly, being real, exactly because she's almost playing the same character in every movie. There's no Too growth to her. But when it, you have characters like Ripley, they she grows in each movie. One in the Wonder Woman films, and especially if you include the the um, movies that aren't like her titled movies, you include all of those. There there's not much to relate to her in that sense. Wonder Woman goes through loss twice over the same person. Ripley goes through the loss of multiple people. She literally loses her daughter again, loses a, a surrogate daughter. She loses her lover. She loses all the people around her, both her friends and people that were becoming colleagues and people who became her allies. She even befriends a robot that she hated and a robot that respected her for who she was. Somebody like Furiosa um, is out there not necessarily for herself but for those wives that are stolen and just so happens to stumble across a leadership position over people and the biggest thing i i can't back up wonder woman because the biggest problem with dc is they have that god complex that that's the only reason that makes them unrelatable and i love dc you you you, but but superman is the perfect human being wonder woman is the perfect human being but that's why they're perfect you need somebody to look up to I need somebody to look up to. And if they're flawed, if they can't even take care of themselves, why am I going to look up to somebody like that? But why, somebody... why, why am I going to look up to Wonder Woman who's the perfect person? It, I can't be the perfect Nobody but... can be the perfect human being. They are God. That's why these characters exist. That's why these they... movies exist. So, so that you way we can't can go be out like and them? experience them. They, they, are, they, they are unattainable concepts. because, like, That's why one of my favorite superheroes of all time is Hellboy. Is he a devil? Sure. But he is battling what is internally he's supposed to be. And he's fighting that daily and day. And that's something that in some form or fashion, we can all kind of like have a, an idea see, of with Wonder Woman. And that's Woman. exactly in, what's, in what Ripley has. Ripley has a, like a bunch of demons internally that she has to deal with, with her PTSD and having to Time's stay focused up. on the Round is happening. over. Thank you so much. I got to say, Jackson, you're not as sweaty as I thought you would be. Yeah, uh, I think it's because I'm not talking as much. Y'all are doing heavy uh, lifting for me. Jackson, you're glistening right now. Yeah. I, I am. I do have a little which, bit of a... Uh, there's something there. Which is sure. strange because 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 Lino had the Chicken Express. You think he would be glistening. <laughs> as I said. All right, yeah. Uh, great final round. It's going to be a real tough uh, decision. But I know we still have closing arguments. So, Aaron... Oh. Whenever I didn't realize ready. I was first. Okay. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of wiggle room for all of these uh, these characters. I think there is so much to be said. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest argument for it, when we're talking greatest, who is the more well-rounded ball of clay, just off of one film in particular, I got to go Furiosa. Because, like I said, you know, Wonder Woman stood up 
Ripley walked, Furiosa sprinted, you know, and and did everything that she needed to. And and to me, she is the most complete, well-rounded argument for the character that she was given. And and the and to me, we just saw a snippet of what she can be. We just saw what she is capable of. These other, you know, uh protagonists have had two films at least to go off of. And and Ripley has more. Furiosa has the one, and to me, she is already leaps and bounds above the others. And don't get me wrong, I love Ripley. If this was a contest as to how many, you know, pets were named after this Time's protagonist, up. without Time's a doubt, up. it would Time's be Ripley. Up. Thank you, Aaron. Um, and I just, again, want to reiterate, <laughs> keep it to, uh, as hard as it will be for this question, uh, please keep it to your own uh, character. We love you, Aaron. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and Emmanuel. From cats to colonies to humanity, whatever it is, um, when it comes to Ripley, she is the quintessential female protagonist. Not just that, she's the summer blockbuster female protagonist. She's the character that when we watch movies like A Quiet Place 2 or other films that have awesome action heroes, we always compare them to Ripley because Ripley is that number one. We want to look at the accolades of that character, that, that actor rather, we can. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to Ripley, she's had so much loss. She's a relatable human character that had to grow in every single film. You get enough of her in each and each and every single movie, but each movie adds a bit more to her, her layer, a bit more to her humanity, a bit more as to why she's the protagonist that she is. And when you look at movies specifically like Aliens, Ripley is just the go-to when it comes to everything for who she fights for. And what she does for herself despite having all of those things. She's not only a great female protagonist. Time's she's up. a great Thank protagonist. You. Thank you. I, I really thought you were just talking about the movie Cats. I was like, why is he <laughs> like And to close it all off, Lino. So Wonder Woman, she is a demigod. She has all these superpowers. But the thing about her is it's not the character. It's the objective. What, what makes this character great? Not the person itself but what is she doing she goes out she's able to beat up bad guys she's able to talk you down that's see i feel like that's the difference between 84 and wonder woman one is the way that she makes change in the world the first one is more fighting the second one other than the cheetah fight she's talking people down she's trying to relate to them she's trying to talk to them and i feel like in order to be the greatest you need to be able to do both you need to be able to have yourself level-headed in order to help people around you and that's somebody great. If you look at people in, like, say, history, they weren't people that had to fight for something with violence. They didn't have to, like, physically fight people. Uh, you look at people like, say, MLK, Gandhi. They weren't out fighting hordes of bad guys or aliens. They were using peaceful messages to show... Time's uh, up. Like... Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, ah, Gandhi fighting aliens is just hysterical. <laughs> you see this? It's a stretch. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Uh, Emmanuel, thank you for bringing up uh, space truck drivers. I, <laughs> Large that, march, that's man. Still, Truckers are the we, backbone of society. They are. I don't know where you got that, but if it's from you, we're coining it. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, Aaron, you, you had a great uh, pick and a great argument. I, I think uh, like you said, the other two characters here, they have more than two movies, where your, yours, you only have one to so go far, off of. So far. So far. There is yeah, that I know they're making a prequel. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. 
Yeah, true. I'm surprised nobody picked Sarah Connor. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yes. That was my yeah. first choice. And I was like, eh, I'll go with Ripley. <laughs> For Lino, yes. Uh, really good arguments. I, uh, I wish somebody would have brought up not only 1984, because I think there was a lot of damage to that character in that movie. Uh, that could have helped both arguments from Emmanuel and uh, Aaron. I didn't want but to, also, to be honest. But I, I, I didn't want to <laughs> blow blow. Yeah. But also, Lino did bring up that your characters, Furiosa and Ripley, had to kill. Uh, but I would have brought up the argument of how many people did Wonder Woman kill in the Snyder verse <laughs> or the Snyder Cut movie. Because we saw a full blood. She rammed a man into a stone wall and we saw the blood. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Ripley only killed aliens. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> aliens are people too, not people. But, they're aliens. <laughs> so I think everybody has blood on their hands. Oh, so, uh, but I have to throw that argument out the window cause it wasn't ever brought up. <sighs> this one's a really tough choice. Uh, I think this was the best round uh, just just because of how polarized I am. But first, uh, luckily, I'm going to kill time here and stall. Jackson, are there any facts that need to be checked? And just overall comments on this round. No facts. Uh, everyone has been on the books this round, or this this scuffle. And I applaud y'all for that. Y'all didn't have to make me work as hard. And I thank y'all <laughs> so much for that. However, uh, this question is like women, p- or pitting women against each other, which is a bad thing. However, these are the greatest. And uh, there is only one great. There's only one goat. So I just want to say that before we get canceled. <laughs> yeah, as a cishet man, I apologize for anything I said today. <laughs> and, and I know I just gloated women this whole time, but I'm sorry that I, that I had to say Wonder Woman stood. And that was it. Right, I'm sorry. Just a room full of men talking about women. Yeah, just just um, basing women off what was presented to us. That is what we did right now. If you want to complain to him, his at is. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I love, Aaron, that you brought up Furiosa protecting women. I think that was a, a very strong argument. Uh, I think uh, the others could have played a little bit more into that as well. Because that's the ultimate girl boss, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Dang it. Do you need me to do a stand-up routine while you while you mull it over? No, I, I think... Okay, I'm going to knock one out already. Okay? And I'm going to have to knock out Lino with Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, Lino. I, I, I love Wonder Woman, too. Um, I, I just think the arguments from Aaron and Emmanuel were very strong, knocking her out a bit. You know, her being a god and not being as relatable. Emmanuel bringing up that, you know, she was pretty much born to be this special person, whereas the other two were kind of in this predicament and they could have easily uh, just didn't have to deal with their circumstances. Well, maybe, I mean, uh, Ripley was in that ship and where could she go, right? But Furiosa could have just drove the other way. (laughs) However, I will say there's nothing, well, no one can be perfect, like y'all brought up. There's nothing wrong with the pursuit of perfection. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah and, and I will say, Lino, you did not bring up that Gal was pregnant while she was yes. portraying. I mean, right there, I'd have been like, "Well, shit." No. <laughs> I mean, I was just sticking to the character. I agree, but I yeah. would have brought up that argument. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's down. It's down to Furiosa and Ripley. I would say this is like a perfect 
bout right here because Ripley would pr- is like the the staple like badass. It's like looking into a, a mirror. You you honestly, it, it's a tough thing, and and that and the same can be said for Wonder Woman. I think any of the Wonder Womans that have been personified throughout her tenure because she is the the longest running character. Yeah. For for this category, yeah, this is incredibly tricky because. In some form or fashion, they're all the same ball of clay. It's just a different vase. <sighs> okay. I made my choice. You got to put in a and, drum roll here. Yeah. I'll, I'll add the sound effects, all the bells and whistles. Um, bells and whistles? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, before I announce the winner here, God I just want to thank you all. You have been a great panel, and thank you for uh, re-kickstarting, rebooting the cinema scuffle, uh, a great panel to re-kick it off. Um, with that being said, the winner of this cinema scuffle is Aaron Salinas. Oh. Good job, Aaron. All the way from Good job, Austin. Good job, Aaron. Honestly, the reason I was like, I think he's going to pick me because it feels a little dirty to go against Ripley, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it, does. it really does. You're, you're you're just peeing on the grave of of a, a very <laughs> beloved. And don't get me wrong, it it hurt the whole time. My mom. I, fun fact. Um, uh, 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 Sigourney Your Weaver. Your mom's a truck driver. My mom was large margin in, in Pee Wee's uh, <laughs> Big Adventure. Uh, no. Um, Sigourney Weaver held a, t- a teapot in my dad's flower shop, so I have a very soft spot for Ripley, and my mom was mad because I was like, oh, she was in Galaxy Quest, but I was like seven at the time, so I couldn't watch Alien. <laughs> it wasn't your fault. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> your parents will disown you because yeah. of this win. <laughs> but thanks, thanks, buddy. Congratulations to all the fighters. You all did so great. Yeah, great, uh, great show. Thank you all so much. Thank you. There's a bunch of heavy hitters, and I hope to have you all again uh, for another scuffle or just to be on the show in general uh you guys have been great uh be real dylan was was the reason i won it was because like we tied ripley and and furiosa but i brought up trolls world tour so you're like that's ballsy that's- actually it, that would have been the opposite effect you, you should have lost on paper you won because you're so stinking cute that's why <laughs> And also, Aaron, uh, the check you sent me. Uh, it <laughs> well, bounced. you don't have to be blatant about it. You don't have to talk about it. We can just well, act like well, it didn't happen. Well, it bounced, so we need to talk about oh. it. How much did you pay? Because you must have paid more than me, and I still lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sad because I only it was a five dollar check, which I did. I went four fifty. Yeah, okay, I mean five next time. Five. It makes me look dumb because it bounced, but just <laughs> got to move the funds. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us here on the Cinema Show. And if anyone out there listening wants their question to be asked on one of these rounds, please send it uh, to us. Send it through our email, our especially our social media, all of them, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Cinema Show Live. Don't forget to use the hashtag Cinema Show Live. And really quick, I want to shout out a fan really quick, because if you comment, if you share, we'll give you a little shout out here. But we had a comment on our Instagram post talking about Luca. Did anyone watch Luca around here? Oh, not yet. Anybody? Okay. Well, you could listen to our episode on that. It's out there somewhere. Give it a listen. But uh, the comment comes from ooh, a podcast from the UK. Movie Metropolis UK said, love Luca. Not up there with Pixar's very best, but really enjoyable. 
so yeah, just give us your comments, and if not, uh, we'll just give you a shout out, and you could because you're all part of the panel as much as we are. Panelists, Aaron, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, the Con Saves uh, Twitch channel on every Sunday, uh, twitch.tv uh, forward slash the Con Save. Um, and hoping to do a little bit more with them for some tabletop stuff. Uh, I'm also on a Texas political comedy podcast called Over the Ledge, um, repping them right now. Um, and you can find me there. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitch and Instagram at Sudsy Panda. And uh, that's Sudsy traditional spelling, Panda traditional spelling. Send me all the links to that, Aaron. Okay. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. And Emmanuel, where can we find you? You can find me at Emmanuel Talks on YouTube. Later this month, I'll finally have a chunk of videos coming out, and we'll see what the schedule will be like once that happens. Hell yeah. And Lino. All right. Um, you can find me at twitch.tv slash diffractor. Uh, the O is a zero. The link will be in there as well as if you ha- want to see the dumb stuff I see on Twitter, at LanternLP. And I also do have a comic book coming out called Bloodline, uh, written by me, illustrated by Akia Anderson, colors by Isabel Perez, and we're hoping to get that out as soon as we can, so stick around for that. I have a lot of info going back and forth on my stream, so if you want to go check that out as well, uh, we love the company. Come on by. Question, will there be physical copies? There will be physical book? copies. Oh, yes. There will definitely be. And everybody in this panel is, of course, getting one. Awesome. Hey. Uh, I want to make sure all of y'all can enjoy it. So yes. I want to pay for mine. Yes, I, I, I want to pay for it. And you better do a signing and charge people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I want two. So that way you can sign one and I can keep that one in the clear protective. And then I want one that I can get my grimy hands on. That's fair. <laughs> I like that. Can't wait for that. And... Of course, thank you to our moderator, our timekeeper, our fact checker, Jackson. Thank you. And where can we find you? Thank y'all. You can find me on Twitter at Jackson underscore DML. And you can follow me on Twitter at DylanMM5. That's right. D-Y-L-A-N-M-M-5. This is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. (laughs) 